back to In the Cage, MMA Radio 99.1, the sports animal. Pleased to be joined by one of the most respected, not the most respected journalists in the MMA world right now. Of course, you see him on ESPN, on all of their platforms, reporter, analyst, host. He's a host of Ariel Helwani's MMA show, Ariel and the Bad Guy, DC and Helwani, many other platforms. Ariel Helwani joins us here on In the Cage, MMA Radio. Ariel, such a pleasure. Much respect. How are you? Pleasure is mine. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. And you know what? One of the things I could keep going on and on with what you're doing in broadcasting, one of those things is the, an occasional NBA sideline yes. reporter. Saw you at the Bucks game last week. What's that experience been like for you? Oh man, uh, what a what a what an amazing experience to be a part of this. Uh, I've always loved the NBA. Uh, I grew up watching the NBA. There was a time where I wanted to be an NBA player. Of course, I quickly learned that that was not going to happen. Um, and then, of course, I focused my efforts early on in life on combat sports and MMA in particular. But when I got to ESPN in 2018, uh, I just went and tried to find who the head guy for NBA production was at the company. And I told them, uh, you know, I'd love to be considered if they ever need someone in a pinch, 11th hour, if someone is uh, sick or something. I'm not trying to take anyone's job. But if you ever need a utility man, so to speak, please consider me. Uh, the, the individual said, you know, I don't know who you are, but no one's ever come to my office and, and asked for something like this. So I appreciate that. And we'll be in touch. We don't have anything open right now, but we'll be in touch. A few months later, he called me, asked me to do some summer league games. And then last season, I got to do five games. This season, I've done two. Obviously, this season is a little different. Uh, you're not on the court. You're not up and close with the players. Last year was crazy because I got the full experience. So I'm hoping it could go back. But yes, to answer your question in a long-winded way, uh, I love the sport, and, and even if I get to do it a couple times a year, three times a year, whatever, it's a huge honor. I'm a big fan, and uh, I really appreciate them giving me this opportunity in addition to all the MMA stuff that I do. ESPN's Ariel Hawani joining us here on In the Cage MMA Radio. So, Ariel, there's a lot that you have accomplished. You mentioned that moment in 2018 when you joined ESPN. Do you step back and look at just how things have really taken off for you in such a fairly quick period of time? Yeah, I guess you could say it's quick for me. It doesn't feel like it's been uh, very quick. Uh, I graduated from Syracuse in 2004. So, you know, we're approaching 17 years out of college. That feels like a long time. Like all of a sudden I'm starting to feel like I'm getting really old and there's like younger kids now. And I was always the youngest one. And I guess this is the circle of life. This is how it works. But yeah, man, it's been, uh, it's been quite the journey. Obviously there have been ups and downs. There have been setbacks there have been great moments, um, and the goal was always to end up at a place like ESPN covering this sport um, on, on the biggest stage possible. So uh, these past two and a half years have flown by. Uh, I can't believe I'm approaching my three-year anniversary at ESPN. That's, that's crazy to me. And uh, what a fun sport to cover because, as you know, there's always some kind of drama, some big fight, some moments, some storyline, some feud some pay-per-view to talk about this guy getting knocked out, this guy losing, will he come back? I mean, like it's, it's a 365, 52 week out of the year sport. There's you know NFL, right. They're now enjoying their off season. We don't get that off season. It just keeps going and going, and going. And for a journalist, that's really good because there's never any downtime. There's never any time where you have to kind of like think about stories. No, we go from one event to the next with a different set of circumstances and fighters. So 
Yeah, I am very, very thankful. Uh, I, I thank my lucky stars all the time. And uh, sometimes I ask, like, how the heck did I end up here? Because I know there are a lot of people who wanted to be in this spot. And so I just hope that it can continue for many years to come. Well, another spectacular moment we saw last weekend on Saturday was Corey Sanhagen's flying knee that ended the night against Frankie Edgar in less than 30 seconds. Do you think that that finish of Edgar and the way it went down and him getting the victory, is there any other scenario than him getting the winner of Jan Sterling, in your opinion? Look, I feel like he deserves it. I wonder if they'll give it to him. Um, Of course, Jan Sterling are fighting March 6th. Uh, so it's not that far away. And, and, and usually when you want to cement yourself as an number one contender, you kind of want to fight around the same time as, as the championship fight so that, you know, you can actually be on the same path as when the belt is being defended next. And so everything seems to be working out, but for some reason, I feel like they're not going to give it to him next. I feel like they're going to give him one more fight. And so the question in my mind is who is that fight? I feel like that fight should be TJ Dillashaw. I know some people will be upset that TJ Dillashaw is getting a big time fight after a, you know, two plus year hiatus after he tested positive for EPO in 2019. But I don't really consider a fight against Corey Sanhagen to be a gift per se. I mean, he's really good. Uh, He's a killer out there. He's an unbelievable fighter. And I think he will be a UFC champion at some point. And so I feel like that's the fight that can really cement Corey as an unwell contender. But if Peter Jan wins against Aljo, I would be 100% down for a Sanhagen-Yan fight. And if Aljo wins, I would obviously be down for that fight as well. A great storyline considering Aljo beat him in June of last year. So he's in a great spot. I think he either gets the, the title fight next or he fights one more time, wins that fight, and then fights for the belt. All right, let's talk about this weekend, UFC's next pay-per-view, 258. The main event, Kamaru Usman against Gilbert Burns, and this has been anticipated for a while. And by the way, early prelims, 6.30 p.m. Eastern time on the UFC Fight Pass, 8 p.m. for the prelims, both on ESPN and ESPN Plus, and then the main event at 10 p.m. on ESPN Plus, where you can get that ordered. So give us your thoughts on that welterweight championship defended by Kamaru Usman against Gilbert Burns. How does this shake out in your Opinion. It's a very interesting fight for um, for a few reasons. Number one, Kamar Usman has been so dominant, um, not only as champion, but in the UFC. Uh, he's pretty much steamrolled through everyone without you know uh, a, a huge amount of trouble along the way. But here he is fighting a guy who knows him very well. They've trained together for years in South Florida. And once it seemed like this fight was going to happen, Kamar Usman moved to Colorado to train with a great team over there, Trevor Whitman being his new head coach. What's really interesting is these guys, like when, for example, Kamar Usman fought Jorge Masvidal in July, when they stepped in the cage and started the fight, that was the first time they've ever competed against each other. These guys have had countless rounds against each other. And so there's already, they both know, one of them knows who gets the better of who. They both know the answer to this question. And so the guy who is getting the better of that other guy continuously historically in training has a ton of confidence going into this fight. The guy who was getting beat up doesn't have that confidence. We're about to find out who's the better one, but I love the fact that they both know the answer to the question that we don't know the answer to the question. Um, So I I love that. I also find it interesting that Usman went to Colorado and is training with a great coach, Trevor Whitman, but the coach that essentially made both of these guys into the fighters that they are today, Henry Hoof, he stepped away and didn't train Burns and won't be in Burns' corner for this fight. So in some respects, Burns lost a coach while Usman gained a coach in Colorado and a new team as well. What does that translate into? So there's a lot of interesting components. Burns has looked really good. 2020 was a huge year for him. Um, 
and and you know he he looked incredible against uh Damian Maya and and uh and and Tyron Woodley uh he's been a a real success story in my opinion I don't think a lot of people thought that he would turn into this kind of fighter so I'm really curious to see if I'd have to pick one I'd favor Usman you know he's looked so good uh his his wrestling is great his takedown defense is great burns his powers as well he's got the knockout power but uh I think the champ has been on a roll and I really like what working with Trevor Whitman in Colorado has done for his career. So I would side with him. Three other matchups on the main card among with two ranked fighters in it. What else stands out to you about this UFC 258 card that maybe has your attention the most? Um, Probably the Macy Barber fight, because I'm curious to see how she rebounds from tearing her ACL. Uh, She, she fought last January. So not, a month ago on the Conor McGregor, Donald Cerrone card. There was a ton of buzz surrounding her. She was undefeated. And then of course she loses to Roxanne Montefiore and uh, tears her ACL and is out for a year. Now she's training with a new team. She's been out for a while. How does a young fighter respond from their first loss? How do they respond from their first major injury? How do they respond with a new team? How do they respond with everyone sort of jumping off the bandwagon and now having to rebuild yourself? And she's fighting a really tough fighter in Alexa Grasso who continues to improve. So uh, if I had to pick one, I'd probably pick that fight. I have to ask you about that absolutely loaded and wild lightweight division. Is Habib staying retired? What after UFC 257 with the Poirier and Chandler victories? How do you match them up? I know that's a lot, Ariel, to digest and break down, but just best you can summarize it. How do you think Dana White and the UFC matchmakers will try to pair up the top of that division? I think they're moving in the direction of doing McGregor Poirier 3. Uh, the big question is, will it be for the belt or not? Uh, will they they vacate the title and, and make that a vacant title fight? Or will they just have their trilogy fight? Um, and then it sounds like, you know, they tried to do Michael Chandler versus Charles Oliveira on this card, 258. But Oliveira said he wanted to fight for the belt, so he declined. So then do they try to run that one back, Chandler, Oliveira? Or do they go with Chandler Gaethje? And it seems like Chandler really wants that fight. And, and Gaethje does to a certain degree as well. And so if you do those two, then the big question is what happens to Charles Oliveira, who's kind of getting left out here. He's won eight in a row. Seven of those eight uh, have been finishes, most submissions in UFC history. So I'm curious to see what they do with him. Uh, he's coming off a win over Tony Ferguson. Ferguson's still someone in the mix, although he's lost two in a row. I think a Ferguson-Paul Felder fight would make a lot of sense if they don't try to do maybe a Ferguson-Nate Diaz fight, who is, uh, you know, Nate is itching to get back in there as well. But as far as like the top goes, and probably the one that everyone is most interested in, uh, it seems like they're moving, at least as of right now, in the direction of Poirier McGregor 3. But like I said, the big question is, belt or no belt, uh, I think Dustin Poirier should be fighting for a belt next. I know people would be upset if Conor fought for a belt, and I understand that. But I, I would hate for Dustin's next fight to not be for a belt because I think he's earned that. Last two quick things. Do you think Henry Cejudo comes back? I think he eventually comes back, uh, maybe back end of this year or or next year. I think he tried to walk away and uh, make the UFC miss him. I think he mishandled uh, all of that very much. I mean, you can't retire and then go to the press conference an hour later and say, well, I'd come back if the money was right. Well, no, like you got to have a better poker face than that. Um, and with all due respect to him, as great as he is, one of the best fighters ever, a legend, a gold medalist. Um, I don't know if people are missing him as much as he thought they would, because quite frankly, I don't think he allowed them 
to miss him. He just kind of stayed omnipresent and uh, you have to kind of go away if you want people to miss you and clamor for you to come back. So eventually I think he comes back. I think he comes back at 135. I don't think he wants to cut any weight, um, but I don't think it happens like beginning of this year, you know, first half of this year, but maybe back in, maybe next year at some point, I think we see him fight again. You know, really envious of you getting to work with Daniel Cormier, his personality, his experiences, the fact that he has opinions. I mean, that's so neat, the chemistry you guys have. But also listening to him on commentary is fantastic as well. Do you have a DC story, maybe a funny moment or something that happened behind the scenes that you could share with our listeners? Well, I agree with you. He is one of the best, um, regardless of any sport. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I could tell you about the first time I met him in person. It was uh, November of 2009. We were in Chicago and he was there with his friend, King Mohammed Lawal, who was fighting on a strike force card in Chicago. And this is the first time I ever met him. And, uh, you know, we were talking and, and, and all this stuff. And at the end of the, um, the media day that I was at, he said to me, come on, we're going, we're going to eat, come have uh, lunch with us. And I, you know, being the journalist that I am, I said, Oh no, 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 I'm not, I don't, I don't hang out with fighters. I don't go eat with you. That's against all the rules. That's unethical, all this stuff. And he's like, what are you talking about? That's crazy. You know, he's just the kind of guy who likes to be around a lot of people. He's not so much of a loner. And uh, he said, you know, one day we're going to be best friends. That's going to be my mission. And I was like, all right, whatever. I didn't really think twice about it. Fast forward, you know, now we're coworkers, I consider him a friend. I could say that now because he's no longer fighting. We talk, no joke, maybe eight to 10 times a day. Wow. Uh, it's incessant. Um, and often and, and more often than not about everything but MMA. Uh, he's a big basketball fan. I'm a big basketball fan. Uh, we talk about the you know football. He's a Saints fan. I'm a Bills fan, all this stuff. So yeah, he's, a, he's just a great guy. And it's just funny because he kind of called this all those years ago. I didn't expect it to go down like this, but I love doing the show with him and I hope that we can do it for many years to come. Yeah. It's a great lesson and he's fantastic. Thank as you. you mentioned, don't forget UFC 258 pay-per-view on ESPN plus 10 PM or prelims at eight early prelims at six 30 on the UFC five pass Ariel, real pleasure. Thank you so much. I know Knoxville can't wait for UFC 258, but thank you for talking to the fight fans here in this area. Oh yeah. Shout out to Knoxville, Tennessee, great state. I don't think I've ever been to Tennessee, but I would love to, uh, to go one day and congratulations to, uh, the Tennessee volunteers for their guy, uh, Peyton Manning getting inducted into the hall of fame. So yeah. thank you for having me. I appreciate it very much. Thanks Ariel. Take care. Be safe. You too. That, that is Ariel Hewani from ESPN. Such a fantastic MMA insider, analyst, and journalist in the cage. MMA radio continues next 99.1, the sports animal.